Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Etna Green Church of Christ online uh, service. Uh, today we're going to read scripture and pray together and also have an encouragement from John chapter 12 and 13. I'm Jordan Eckes. I'm the minister here at the church and we are praying for you and we are uh, grateful that we can connect this way and we look forward to the day that uh, we can be back together again. I want to thank you for uh, the time away uh, last week, time to refresh and recharge. I was able to spend some time with some uh, ministry friends and encouragement uh, that way together for each of us. And we spent time with, uh, with some folks at Great Lakes Christian College, a, a ministry that we support, uh, my alma mater, and uh, we learned from each of the professors new insights and encouragement. Uh, one of the professors uh, shared with us uh, just from a general perspective for all of us, and it was just a real encouraging thing, uh, but it was a kind of a mention of our current reality, and that is that no one is okay and no one is at their best. And the comment was meant to be grace-giving, one to encourage us and remind us that we're all going through quite a bit, and what uh, that instilled in me was just to offer to you uh, an encouragement. It's okay to meet, not be okay right now. And we have had so much going on, and it's been uh, incredibly hard. And so I just want to, as your minister, reach out to you and say, if you're really not okay right now, uh, to please reach out and find help and encouragement. Reach out to Wendy or me. Um, more likely Wendy, but if you would like to reach out for encouragement, um, we want to listen. We want to be in community with you. Uh, we've been forced into isolation, but that doesn't mean that, um, that we have to stay isolated from relationships that will build us up. And so it's important now more than ever that we would foster the relationships uh, of our Christian family. And so uh, today, uh, my message is uh, going to be... Um, hopefully encouraging and challenging uh, to walk through our life together and remind us of the community that, uh, that we have, remind us uh, of this thing that uh, we ought to cherish and thank God for. And so I'm going to open with the reading of scripture and then we'll spend uh, time together in guided prayer and then we'll do our message together. So I want to thank you for being with us and joining with us. If you're wondering about when we will return to gathering, uh, the announcement on that is simply that we are taking cautious steps to make a safe environment uh, as possible to return to gathering safely. We have a task uh, force that we've uh, commissioned to say, would you figure this out in the best way moving forward and the things we need to do? Uh, and so they are meeting and they are praying and walking through uh, this endeavor. And so we need to be praying for um, those folks that are doing that. Um, and so the answer is, is we don't know yet, but we are working on it. And we want you to be here and we want to be together. And so we'll, we're working on that. Uh, would you please uh, join with me in the reading of Scripture and follow along. We're in John chapter 12. I'm going to read from John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant and well, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there, the crowd that was there and heard it said, it had thundered. Another said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. I want you to pay particular attention to two verses. It's verses 24 and 25. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Today we're going to share about how we hate our life in this world. And that sounds like a contradictory message to what we hear Jesus promises that if we empty out ourselves, if our life is no longer about us, no longer selfish and selfish pursuits, but about Jesus, about his kingdom, about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our King. When we empty ourselves, we find life. One of the ways that we empty ourselves is we go to God in prayer. We're going to follow uh, just a basic model. I'll toss it up here on the screen for you. When we pray, it's praise, repent, ask, and yield. I want to invite you, whoever you're with uh, now, that when we pray, I'm just going to pray a little and lead a little and invite you to approach God and reflect on your life and your heart. My hope is that this time as we pray would be of comfort, of conviction, that it would guide us to empty ourselves to Jesus. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we have a lot to praise you for. Foremost, our heart uh, comes to you today, praising you for Jesus who laid down his life. Praising you that Jesus did not shy away from what was set before him to lay down his life, to seek and save the lost, and to rescue a sinful and broken world. And so we take not time now to praise you for your forgiveness. Forgiveness for our past. Forgiveness for the things we've said and the things we've done.
God, as we recall those things, we are comforted to know that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you, you have removed our transgressions from us through the cross of Christ. We praise you that you are Lord and King, that this is your world, that you are in control and that you care deeply for your creation. And so we lift up words of praise glorifying you, reminding ourselves of how awesome you are. That you are faithfully present with us through your spirit we give thanks. We praise you, Father, for answered prayer. Praise you that our dear friend Linda is home. We pray for her, that you would care for her. We praise you that Sally Walter is home. We give thanks to you. It means so much to us, Lord, that you hear our prayers. That you haven't turned from us. And so we thank you. We thank you for answered prayer and comfort and your healing love. God, for this and so much more, as a congregation, we lift praise. And now we turn to you in repentance. We turn to you from our selfishness. We turn to you from our sin, the sin of pride, the sin of thinking more about ourselves than others, the sin of thinking that we have control and we can do what we want. The sin of anger and jealousy and bitterness. God, we need a lot of heart work right now. I know that I do. So remind us and point out the pride and arrogance, point out the brokenness and the sin, point out all of those things that seem to pull us further from you. And Lord, as we turn from them, make your light shine that we would walk directly towards you. Bring your spirit along with us, Lord, that we would listen to you through your spirit. That the fruit of our lives would not be that of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. 
that there would be love again coming from our mouths and joy coming on our faces. That they would see the joy on our face and in our heart and out of our mouths. That we would be patient with one another. Patient in all of the disagreements and all of the ways to move forward and all of the uncertainty that your church here in Etna Green would be patient. Long-suffering for what is right and what is good. That we would be a peace-filled people as we turn towards you and bear the fruit of your spirit that we would be peacemakers and peacekeepers. That we would be ministers of reconciliation, drawing families together, uniting together in your spirit. Lord, that the fruit of kindness would pour from us. That we would be kind and for the kids, that they would be kind to their siblings who've been cooped up together for a long time. Help the parents to be kind to their kids, kind to one another. Help us to be kind on Facebook. Help us to be kind with our fellow employees. Help us to be kind to our spouses, to our enemies. This comes from you and your kindness towards us through your son, Jesus. Lord, your world seems to be sorely lacking in goodness, or at least we've had a hard time seeing it. So we turn to you in repentance, asking that your goodness would pour out of our lives. That there would be good in our world and we would see it and celebrate it. Lord, that as we turn to you, you would rejuvenate our hearts towards goodness and grace and love. faithfulness Lord that we would be faithful that we would be steadfast and true that we would give our allegiance and our devotion to you Lord we repent of wavering in our faithfulness trusting in ourselves trusting in our knowledge trusting in our emotions trusting in so many other things than your son Jesus Help us to see the emptiness of the promises of money, of politics, of power, of prestige, of importance, of control. We repent of those things, those unfaithful things. We want to be faithful, trusting in you. Lord, lead us to be gentle in this world. We repent for the times that we haven't been gentle. That we've been angry, we've been hurtful. Times that we have not been our best. 
And so lead us to your gentleness. Lead us to be merciful like you. Slow to anger and rich and abounding in love. And self-control. God, this is not us. <laughs> this is not us uh, about us trying to control our lives. This is about us yielding our hearts to you. And so forgive us where sinfulness has been the way of our heart. We turn to you and we ask now, God, that you would lead us as your children to walk in the spirit and walk in truth and walk in the light that we would walk in the way of Jesus open this way to us open our hearts to you help us to know that you are true and you are good and you are with us Lord some prayer concerns came our way this week it's really difficult news uh, for Sandy Walter her youngest uh, brother her younger brother Ken and her sister-in-law, Judy, in a terrible accident. And Judy has surgery, and the accidents have brought on all kinds of trauma on their bodies, and we pray, God, that you would be with them, and you would heal them and help them, that you would be with their family. God, we ask that you would continue to care for, uh, care for our church family, that you would help us and guide us to be together again, God, where we need to face risk, help us to do so bravely and faithfully. Where we need to exercise caution, help us to have wisdom and discernment. God, we ask uh, for your help, uh, for Shelley Bachman, that you would be with her. Jennifer Hefner's uh, cousin who's facing stage four cancer, we pray for her and her family. We lift her before you. God, we ask that the burdens on our hearts, the pain within our minds and our bodies, God, that you would be with us. That you would help us to see your work in the midst of suffering. That as we face great difficulty, you would remind us of your presence and your love. And so now, God, we yield to you and your spirit and your work. And we trust and we know in the scriptures that you are faithful and that your love endures forever. That you are a God of mercy and grace, of benevolent kindness to us. And we praise you, God, for Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Lord, may our prayers be heard by you. Though we are not worthy, we know that your spirit is at work. 
Search our hearts now. As we give this prayer of praise and repentance and petition and trust, we give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wandered off camera there a little bit. <laughs> uh, we've been working through uh, the Gospel of John. It's been a comforting scripture to us as we have navigated uh, coming together and then being uh, driven apart. What Jesus uh, does, or, or rather what John does in describing the life of Jesus, uh, it's really that description as well. It's Jesus drawing people to himself, and now we've taken a pivotal turn in the gospel where Jesus is now saying, I'm going to be driven from you. We read in John 12 that Jesus begins articulating that his death is coming, that he will be away from them. He will tell them, I'm, there will be a time where I'm not with you. And Jesus leads them and he guides them to show a way forward for their life. There's a real challenge uh, in this text and I hope that we can hear it together. If you would please open and uh, hopefully you're still there. We're going to start in John chapter 12, this time in the first verse. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. We can read through that opening paragraph rather quickly. But if you take time to just sort of enter into the world, this is a really special moment. A couple of weeks ago, I didn't preach last week, but the week prior, we talked about the life of Lazarus and the death of Lazarus, that Jesus raised him from the dead. And we're not exact, I'm not exactly sure the time frame uh, between the two events, but what we have is six days before the Passover, Jesus is on his way to his death, and this is six days prior to it, and uh, uh, to the Passover, uh, and Jesus... He comes to Bethany, and Lazarus and Martha and Mary, they are all together. And can you begin to imagine the sweetness of the moment of having a dead man who was raised to life? The sweetness of a moment of friendship, of encouragement, of worship and adoration of Jesus. This was a gathering to honor Christ. And what they do together is they pour out themselves, they pour out what they have in honor and glory to Jesus. They are still celebrating that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They are still celebrating the glory and, sp and splendor of their Savior, Jesus, among them. Remember, they believe that Jesus is now the resurrection and the life. They see in Jesus their, uh, all of their hope realized. That he is their true friend, but also their Lord and their Savior. 
And what they are doing in this very moment, I believe they are anointing Jesus as king. They are saying, you are the leader of our life. You are the ruler of the heavens and the earth. You are king of kings and lord of lords, and they are anointing and they are celebrating him. And I think we need to have that sort of sense of what's going on, because what happens next is sort of a, uh, what I would describe as someone dis, uh, declaring great news uh, on Facebook and then someone chiming in with a, uh, a snooty comment. And so we get a Facebook comment from Judas. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As the keeper of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. And so what we have in the first few verses is the disciples of Jesus pouring themselves out in adoration, appreciation, and praise, honoring him as king. They are wasting the perfume on Jesus, but they know it's not a waste. And Judas comes in with this little side comment. Well, why, why didn't we sell this and give the money to the poor? When I look at uh, that comment, it's kind of hard not to see a little cultural relevance our situation in our world. What, Ju what Judas, I think, is doing is what we would call in the 21st century virtue signaling. Now, virtue signaling might be a new word for you, and that's okay. Um, I just learned about it five minutes ago before my sermon, but uh, that's a joke, and I don't know if I can tell if you're laughing or not, but virtue signaling is a way of appearing to be righteous when really the, it's just the appearance, it's all about the image. And so one quick example of virtue signaling is that people are willing to spend more money uh, on a Toyota Prius than another hybrid vehicle because the Toyota Prius looks like you are environmentally self-conscious. Now I'm not knocking anyone that owns one, but there was a study and a phenomenon where Toyota can actually charge more money for a Prius because people want to appear, just appear, uh, more virtuous by caring about the environment. And so studies have shown that certain designs and certain colors uh, are this sort of virtue signaling that you care about the environment. And so that's a little side thing, but we see virtue signaling all the time in our culture. We see it in, in the ways that we res, uh, respond, the ways that we post things on Facebook. Um, I don't know that ever, anyone ever really says uh, exactly what they're thinking on Facebook. Maybe they do. But a lot of it is about curating the perfect image and how we want to be seen. But it's not just a cultural phenomenon. I see it within the church. I see it in the, just that simple act when someone has a prayer request and we say that we will pray, but then we don't pray. When we say that we will pray and we don't pray, we're virtue signaling. We are trying to appear like we care, but we really haven't. 
trying to appear like we are righteous, but really if we're not praying, we're just putting up a charade. And so what Judas is doing is virtue signaling. He wants to appear as though he cares for the poor, but John knows the truth about him. And in our world, what we have is a lot of people living a selfish individual life, and they are masking it with a charade of virtuous ideas. That we can say one thing and live in an entirely other way. That we can appear like we care, that we can appear virtuous, but not have a truly righteous life. And go on living a selfish, self-focused life. And that's what Judas does here. He says, well, we could care for the poor with that. And so he uh, degrades the act of kindness and honor to God. And he says, well, you could have done something else with it. And if we're honest about the world, they will look at uh, the life of Christians. Life of Christians who pour out resources to care for and love one another. And they would love to look at us and say, well, that's pretty wasteful. You should do that. Uh, do something else with it throwing out little hand grenades at all of the kindness that we try to do and it discourages us and tears us down. I could probably spend too much time on it, but I hope uh, just that that makes some sense as to this sort of virtue signaling that there is selfish individualism in our world and it's being um, masked or distracted by these sort of virtuous ideas. As we look at uh, the rest of the text, let's uh, just kind of keep pressing forward in it, and I'll show you what I think Jesus wants for uh, our lives. And so in verse 6, he said, He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he was a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas is living a selfish, self-focused life. He doesn't care about the community. He cares only for himself. And this is how Jesus replies to the Facebook comment, Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And Jesus is saying, my death is coming. This time of separation is coming. And I think as we look at this text and he says, you will always have the poor among you, I think it's an indictment on the systems and the brokenness of our world where there are selfish people, always self-focused. There will always be the poor among us. So Jesus, um, Jesus will, uh, we're going to speed through a couple of things. Jesus will go to Jerusalem. And it's the Palm Sunday celebration that Jesus is king, Hosanna to the highest. Jesus will then predict his death, and we read that text. And we need to draw out uh, verses 24 and 25 again. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I think Jesus was having that conversation. That conversation with Judas in that moment. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, and anyone who hates it, well, they'll have eternal life. Judas is one who loves his life, and Jesus is going to show, show us what it is like 
to hate your life and to lay your life down. If you go to John 13, it was Jesus. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. You might be lost in my message. I can't really tell at this moment. But if you would just come back to me for a moment, uh, come back from the kitchen and getting a a uh, mid-sermon snack, and if you would hear this. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. There are scriptures that are tossed, <laughs> tossed in sometimes that I feel like are just these reminders that God wants to have echoed throughout generation after generation. Reminding us that Jesus loves the ones who are in the world and he loves them to the very end. And Maybe if anything that you get out of today's message, if you're upset about my virtue signaling comments and that's got you all upset or whatever, it doesn't matter. What matters is, is that there's a Savior who has loved you to the very end. And he cares deeply for you. And this is something that is uh, given to us as a way to reflect and meditate and praise God. That he loves us to the very end. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. Knowing this about himself, knowing his identity as the Son of God, knowing that God will lift him up, he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured, out, uh, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Lord Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on the clothes and they returned to his place Do you understand what I've done for you? He he asked them. You call me. Sorry, there's a communication error. I don't know what's going on. It flickered. It's live and recording. Sorry for the interruption. Okay, so uh, in verse uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus points us to the way forward. And it's not selfish individualism, but it's selfless community. Here's the one who's the savior of the world. Here's the one who's Lord and King. The one who is anointed and he, he knows that he is returning to the Father. And what Jesus does is he pours out himself. With what started with those who loved Jesus pouring out all that they had, Jesus in response pours out all that he has and all that he is. In Philippians 2, we are encouraged and reminded that Jesus does not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Instead, he makes himself nothing, and he pours himself out. Jesus does not press forward as a king we might expect. He loves us all the way. And as the perfume was poured out, we see Jesus empty himself. And he says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. That we don't need to take on the role of virtue signaling in our world. We don't have to do um, mighty and wonderful things to appear virtuous. We can empty ourselves as well. We can pour out our lives. It's, it's not about selfish individualism, but selfless community. It's where we can serve and we can love and we can care and we can pray and we can forgive. Jesus on the cross and Jesus resurrected is this reminder encouragement and encouragement that we don't need a charade of masking the condition of our hearts. Because in Christ we now have a new heart. And it's not the appearance of righteousness and the appearance of virtues but it's the actuality of a very new heart within all of us with a very new spirit. And it's Christ's very real presence that we have at work in each of our hearts that we are made new in him. Jesus says, I have set an example for you that you should go and do as I've done for you. Jesus says there's a way to have life and there's a way not to. And the way to have life is to lay it down. The way to have life is to hate it. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense until we see our Savior lay down his life on the cross and God lift him to eternal life. And he says, follow him. And just as Jesus is with his disciples he loved them to the very end. We can trust and know that as we empty ourselves for one another, as we pour out ourselves to God in honor and praise, as we serve, as we love, as we pray, as we encourage, as we give, as we live generous lives towards one another, 
we can know that Jesus is with us to the very end. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you. We pray, God, for your help and your grace today. We've asked for so much, and we know, Lord, that you hear us. Help us to turn from a life of trying to appear virtuous and shaping our image in the public world. We've put up a long charade. So God, help us to turn to you. Give us a new heart. Help us to know that life is found in emptying it, pouring it out, and laying it down. Just as your son, our Savior, did for us. So help us to serve and love and encourage. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. In Philippians 2, we'll close out our time together. It offers us a challenge of moving forward and the reminder of our life together. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Our community needs that. Our families need that. I think the world needs that. A people who do not consider themselves greater, but those who humble themselves and lay down their lives and pour out praise to God and encouragement and love and service to one another. Would you go be that church today and this week? Would you love and encourage and trust your life in the loving care of Jesus Christ? May God bless you and keep you and shine his face upon you and give you his peace. God bless.